the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to The Answer. Thanks for joining us on your Friday Morning Answer. Finally a Friday. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn here with you. Still no winner in the presidential election from Tuesday, but there are political fires burning, Brian, and a local fire to tell you about. We'll just start there for a moment, bring you up to speed on a fire burning above San Dimas in the foothills. It has spread to at least 60 acres. It started just after 4 a.m. Firefighters are on the ground and in the air fighting this thing. According to the Angeles National Forest officials, the blaze began just after 4 near the intersection of San Dimas Canyon and Gold Golden Hills Road. No homes immediately damaged or threatened, but officials said flames have, can be seen in the area north of the 210 freeway. And they were moving away from residences, which is a good news from L.A. County Fire. But you can't see it this morning on your commute. And Golden Hills Road uh, and uh, the fire, which is amazing. I'm seeing 20 acres. It started at 4 a.m. That's two hours and six minutes ago. <laughs> no, uh, just, I'm, don't make fun of me. I just, I'm you just have to. Today. I'm just, okay, I am too. Warning, so everybody, by the way, I've just, I've, I've had the giggles for the last twenty minutes. You can fine. hear it in my voice. Actually, no, I hear a frog. In <laughs> That's because I laugh too hard. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. All right, so uh, but I want to finish my. Point. Yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> Two hours and seven minutes ago. <laughs> Two hours and seven minutes ago, this fire started, and it's t- burned twenty acres. Now I, I was out there. Much earlier, about 36 minutes ago, and it's not particularly windy, which is good, and there's going to be rain this weekend, which is even better. Yeah, the rain coming this weekend is good. They did talk about a little bit of wind being a factor out in San Dimas, so we're not feeling it here in Glendale this morning, but they do see there's a little bit of wind happening that helped propel this fire along. Again, last count from ABC, our friends over there 10 minutes ago saying now 60 acres. The last report I saw was 20 acres. As you mentioned, this thing is blowing up a little bit, and that's what's bringing out the air support to try to knock it down. So we'll keep you posted on that fire burning in San Dimas. But there are political fires to talk about, and none of them have been put out quite yet, actually. I think the temperature inside the White House is high, high, hot, hot. No COVID stuff, thank goodness, uh, very seriously. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that the former Vice President Joe Biden is opening leads here in some of these states, Jennifer. And I think with every minute that passes, doesn't it look a little more difficult for President Donald Trump to pull this election result forgive, uh, from the fire? Yeah, I think from uh, – uh, unfortunately for all of us, because I don't think this is a great model for for us, no matter who's on the ballot. But the I rest agree. of the country has adopted the California model, which we saw in 2018, where – an election looked one way on election night and then started to change incrementally over the following days. So while you were sleeping, just to bring you up to speed on what's going on, again, sort of state by state, in Arizona, most media outlets still giving those 11 electoral votes to Joe Biden, which leaves him today at 264 votes, electoral votes. But 
in Arizona, President Trump is performing on track to actually overtake a lead that Biden has currently in the state. So as they continue to count votes, and we'll get a dump from Arizona around 9 o'clock our time today, as they dump more votes to their total, we'll see if President Trump is still following that trajectory that he needs to overtake Biden in the state of Arizona. In Nevada... There are still two lawsuits going on in the state of Nevada. The claim is that there are about 10,000 people who voted who no longer live in the state, or maybe they are dead. Um, in any case, not capable of casting a legal now, vote in Nevada. Now, I'm not an, an election lawyer like Garrett Fay, who was with us on the Morning Answer yesterday, but I know one thing. Someone who doesn't live in the state could fly into the state and vote on Election Day. I know that could happen. But someone who is dead? Yeah. They can't vote. That's rough. Yeah, That I know. They can't tweet and they can't vote. We learned that this 2020. This is it. Yeah, this is the problem is explaining that. And yes, some people can fly in, but are they registered in other states? And so that's what needs to be kind of flushed out in the state of Nevada, where they are still, we assume counting. Nevada has been very mysterious about just how they're counting votes and what the time frame is like. But again, we're supposed to hear from Nevada's Secretary of State a little bit later on this morning. And all of this, by the way, we'll cover. If anybody comes up to that podium, we we will track it. We'll make sure that you get to to hear the gist of what they're saying in these states that are really making the difference here. In Pennsylvania, overnight, the state is now leaning towards Joe Biden. We expected that that would happen. It's 49.5% to 49.4%. This is how close it is. It's coming down to a mere, literally hundreds of votes right now in and Pennsylvania. With, with regard to Pennsylvania and those 20 electoral votes there, the U.S. Postal Service says about 1,700 ballots had been identified in Pennsylvania at processing facilities during two sweeps yesterday, Thursday, and they're being delivered to election officials. So that's the finding. Imagine that. That's a, I'll call that a random discovery of 1,700 ballots. And uh, these 1,700 ballots may matter, and the fact that they're finding ballots right now is a problem. Also, Pennsylvania yesterday, and we'll hear from some of the people with the Trump campaign who are out there. Corey Lewandowski is in Pennsylvania. Pam Bondi, Rudy Giuliani, they're in Pennsylvania, and they actually won in court an injunction to stop the vote until members of the Trump team could actually watch that. Well, even though they won that injunction, members of the elections board in Philadelphia would not let them in. And they were even papering up windows. There's reports of all sorts of weird stuff in Pennsylvania happening. And the thing is, Brian, and this is just for the good of the country, it is not political. You have so many, again, we talked about this yesterday, no matter who gets elected at the end of all of this, half the country is going to think that they cheated in some way to get there. And so why wouldn't these states be as transparent as as possible so that people at least could build a little bit more confidence in the process. I don't know that half of the country will think the winner or the the next president cheated, but I do believe half the country will have not voted. The voting population, the voters, half of them will not have voted for whomever it is. You mentioned we're talking about Pennsylvania today on Friday. More of these mailed in ballots, which are showing up some without postmarks, uh, even, uh, you know, Thursday, yesterday, uh, they'll be counted today in Allegheny County. This is where Pittsburgh is located. And there are uh, a lot of registered Democrats there. So this is what the campaigns are looking at, where these votes come from and can they glean based on history how those votes might go and right. they're often right with that sometimes they're not another another state that kind of flipped to overnight georgia which president trump was leading in pretty handily they are now almost at a dead tie 49.4 percent to 49.4 percent based on where the votes are coming in from they have turned the state light blue but there are still 18,000 outstanding military votes that need to be counted and you'd imagine that that would probably be a pretty good thing for president trump there was a lawsuit levied from the campaign to georgia but that was thrown 
out in court yesterday. So the places where you've got lawsuits right now from the Trump campaign that are still in process are Nevada and Pennsylvania. And the issue of military votes, we have spoken this week about 20 years ago in Florida with Bush v. Gore and the presidency coming down to 537 votes 20 years ago in November of the year 2000. And the emphasis, the attention paid, rightfully so, to overseas military ballots coming from men and women in service to America wearing a uniform, uh, that was one of the uh, components for folks who might be a little bit younger than I am 20 years ago. Of course, uh then-Governor Bush, understanding that military votes oftentimes come back for Republican candidates, was making every effort to uh, to have them counted, and right. as they should be, but they take a while, adding to the delay, because they're being sent from overseas. Yeah, so uh, that is going on in Georgia. We're watching that. The Trump campaign yesterday tried a lawsuit in Michigan that was thrown out by the judges. There's going to be a, a recount that is still going on in Wisconsin. Some questions about some late votes arriving in Michigan again and being counted. So there are still a lot of questions here. This map looks really good if you're Joe Biden as you wake up this morning. For him, some people feel that the media may call it for him because they're sick of all this and the media sort of in the tank for Joe Biden. They might do that by the, the end of the day. But the question is, is Joe Biden going to actually take the win until these court challenges are complete? And and that's still left to be decided. And one thing we learned, um, again, 20 years ago in Florida, Tom Brokaw, we shared it yesterday, a great quote. We don't have egg on our face. We have an omelet on our face. It's important to say right now, the media does not call who the next president is. Right. The, the registrars of voters, the secretaries of state in 50 different states certify their elections, and the results are, are certified, and we find out who the next president is. It's not Fox. It's not CNN. It's not MSNBC or ABC or any of them. But there is power in the way people consume that, right? Because most Absolutely. people don't. Don't, don't know. They look at what the TV says. And oh, okay, Biden's uh, Biden's president or Trump's president, and uh, this is why there is so much criticism towards Fox News, particularly, and then all of the other media outlets that followed suit in calling Arizona. They're down to being separated by like forty six thousand ballots, which was less than uh, separated the two candidates in uh, Pennsylvania and other states where we've seen the flip and you know the change of tides essentially. And so there is still a lot of criticism about why they would have called that state because they feel that it it limits limited people who were still in line at polling places that it kind of changed the direction uh, if you will of of where this election stands today and certainly those 11 it's sort of meddling yeah, it's sort of meddling to a, tell people it's over it seems funny that 11 electoral votes really matter or the 6 in Nevada really matter right. but they do this of year of course we'll have some of the big winners and losers in congress for you uh, the congressional fight still continuing as your friday morning answer continues every morning Breaking news and talk you can trust. This is The Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horan. Thanks for joining us. It's your Friday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and we are watching this very close presidential race. The counting on in many states overnight, Georgia, Pennsylvania, they were leaning towards Donald Trump. Well, now they are leaning towards Joe Biden. And here's a little sticky wicket, which you may not know, Whitman, or maybe you do. Yeah, well, the whole thing is a rather large sticky wicket. The protracted counting of votes. It's Friday morning. Election day in person was Tuesday, uh, last time this happened, they wrapped it up by December 12 right. in the year 2000. I don't think it'll take that long, but it's going on and on. Well, there are some legal challenges. And by the way, some uh, and we'll hear from a whistleblower actually from the Postal Service saying that oh. there were certain ballots that were thrown out. There were... Uh, and they're, they're finding them. They I just told fi- you about Pennsylvania. They're, they're absolutely finding. finding them. And so when people say, and I was kind of annoyed when President Trump spoke yesterday, we'll hear from him in a moment, the headlines were that he's blatantly lying about voter fraud. And 
truly we don't know yet. We have to see the evidence and then we have to see if there's any merit to the evidence that's being presented. So I, I think for the media to kind of criticize President Trump is like gaslighting. I, we need well, to see what's I- happening. I agree with you, and that's why this is such a serious event, and that's why it's so important these ballots be secured. It's also important, I, I may add, for uh, the president of the United States or the former vice president, anyone who is involved, specifically the candidates, to not assert as fact things that are being investigated. Right, but I think what the, he has to do if he's taking issue is saying we're taking issue with X, Y, and Z, and then he needs to provide evidence. Now, the evidence His attorneys is, need to do that's that. That's right. Actually. actually, you're right, because President Trump shouldn't be doing that himself, but his attorneys today and over the weekend need to be showing what they're taught, you know, need to prevent, present evidence to the American people in the form of a lawsuit. But here's the sticky wicket. In Georgia, to win straight out, you actually have to have 50% plus one vote. Well, hold on, newsbreaker. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. In the st- You're telling me that in one of the states of this great union, 57, Obama told us, he added seven. It's like court packing. It's state right. packing. You just add a <laughs> hey, couple of blue ones. That's what those Democrats We'd like to add uh, uh, seven states, please, to the map and uh, give them all 100 electors. My mom's crazy liberal friend texted her yesterday when I was with her <laughs> and said, um, how does one go about adding a state to the union? It's like – She really did? Ask Google, dude. That's so odd that we would talk this morning. Are you making your wish list already? Like <laughs> Things to do, get milk, run to the dry cleaners, add a state to the United <laughs> States. Add D.C. is a state. Perfect. Okay. So the thing is, in the state of Georgia, which is a beautiful state, I spent much time in Atlanta, which they call the New York City of the South. It's mm-hmm. a great place. Uh, you're telling me that the person who wins the election actually has 50%, has to have at least half of the voters, 50%, Plus one more to indicate some sort of edge to win. (laughs) And if you don't, there's a runoff. And can I tell you what the percentage of votes are right now as we speak? Oh, yeah, right. Of course. 49.4 to 49.4. Hey, Joe, put your running shoes on. We got to go for it again in the peach tree state, my friend. It is possible that this is going to go into a runoff election in Georgia. And we may not know if Georgia does come down to be a deciding state exactly who would be president until January. I think it's the and first I'm week not, of January. Jennifer, here on the Morning Answer for a Friday, Womp Bomba Bump, the weekend's here. Mm. I'm not making any predictions, but I think President Trump is maybe headed up to here. And if you invite him to a runoff, he might just put those sneakers on and run off to another country and I never believe come back. If, if it comes down to Georgia and there is a runoff, I mean, this would be a really unlikely scenario, but hello. I believe it's ever happened in American history where a particular state – Revoted. President Trump would move in there and he would do rallies all the time. And do you know how much money would flow into the state of Georgia because of this? Already there is going to be so much money because there are two Senate seats that were up for grabs in Georgia because one was a special election. And both of them are headed to a runoff. They thought that Senator Perdue would hold out, but he came in literally like a point, like a tenth of a percent. Under what he needed to actually win straight out. And the and other guy, that John Ossoff, is – He was uh, running he, against Purdue. So yeah. the two of them are going to have a runoff. Then that, Senate, Ossoff, that Ossoff – He's going to run could, his Ossoff. <laughs> I know when to stop and laugh. And I'm doing it. Now, question. So Senator Le, uh, Kelly Leffler also is headed to a runoff. She left. She left. And that's because they had two <laughs> right. Republicans. Your friend Doug Collins, the representative – 
bad move because you split the votes. So now there's going to be a runoff there. So there's going to be a lot of money from Republicans and Democrats going in because this could very well determine the balance of the Senate. If the Senate is a 50-50 split, then whomever wins the presidency, the vice president would be able to uh, to uh, make the call the and break the tie. So obviously this is really important. Georgia getting a lot of attention about that, especially with that, with that stipulation in their law that it's got to be 50 percent plus one. And here's, if you will, another sticky wicket. In what we just said, that in that event where the Senate's tied 50-50, the vice president comes in and breaks the tie. Sticky wicket. We don't yet know who that vice president is. Now, exactly right. Now, I do want to let you hear a little bit. We talked about President Trump speaking yesterday, and we will hear from him in just a few moments. He spoke for about uh, about 15 minutes yesterday. Right. Joe Biden spoke for just about two minutes, came out, made a quick statement. But Anderson Cooper. He talked for probably more time than the candidate spoke. Uh, did you hear what he said? Uh, I read some of what he said, but I did not see it in context. So I'm going to leave that to you. So President Trump spoke and talked about his legal fight and some of the challenges. He also celebrated. It wasn't just all, you know, poor me. He celebrated the fact that Republican women won in droves in Congress. He celebrated some of the victories of the Republican Party because this was not the blue wave that a lot of the pollsters expected. And he came out and celebrated that. Anderson Cooper on CNN after the president finished said this. We have never seen really... Other than, well, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this from a president of the United States. And uh, I think, as Jake said, it is, it's sad and it is truly pathetic. And, of course, it is dangerous and, of course, it will go to courts. But you'll notice the president did not have any evidence presented at all. Nothing. No real actual evidence uh, of any kind of fraud. He talked about people putting up papers in windows. He talked about things that he'd seen on the Internet. Hey, Anderson! That is the president of the United States. That is the most powerful person in the world. And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over. But he just Uh hasn't accepted it, and he wants to take everybody down with him, including this country. And your sense of right and wrong as well, Anderson. Right. Let let me say this. uh, uh, Personal to Anderson Cooper here, the son of the late Gloria Vanderbilt. Anderson, control yourself. Have some decorum. There was a time that in this country, the people who were broadcasting on television or even on the radio, they were understood to have some sort of patriotism. Not that I'm not advocating that you have to you can't disagree. Class. Class is the word, Anderson. You're typically classy. I thought of this yesterday because when I come in here, sometimes I'm very critical of President Trump, sometimes very personal right now. When the election is not even decided, that's the issue, the information. What do you have in terms of votes being found, votes being counted? For Anderson Cooper to do that is totally inappropriate, especially the line about an upside-down turtle with this. That is a personal insult of the president's appearance. And I bet when President Trump or Donald Trump said about Carly Fiorina, oh, that face, that face, I'm sure Anderson Cooper was among the first eye-rollers and righteously indignant reactors to that event. These folks need to get a hold of themselves. This is our country. We have to find out who the president is. And by the way, if the guy's on the way out the door, he's on the way out the door. Do you have so much anger, Anderson, that you have to hit him a few more times on his way out? Everybody control themselves. I'm finished. I'm I'm done. And I appreciate it because, you know, I think, (laughs) not to pat us 
the back. But I think we've both been pretty non-emotional through this because uh, we still are counting. There's still stuff that needs to be investigated. Let's get to the let's get to the truth instead of just slapping people down with insults. I mean, look, people are insulting everybody in politics. Anderson Cooper is not a journalist. He's a commentator. He can say what he wants to say. And but- look, there is a there is a legitimate point to be made about the evidence, the basis of the evidence of the pres- uh, regarding the president's remarks. But to get from there to an upside down turtle flailing on his way out is totally unprofessional and it's classless. And I would also just add that it's also dangerous when the media says that the president is blatantly lying about this. When there's evidence, let let's be the judge of that. Let the courts be the judge of this. We trust our system, so let the courts see if there's anything to this. Let this play out. Let's hope for the good of our country, not for the to the detriment of uh, someone that you don't like. And that's what I think Anderson Cooper is doing. We'll hear from the president in his own words. And a question from the minority leader in the House about some of the inconsistencies in these ballots. As your Friday morning answer continues. No cabs. Why can't conservatives and liberals just get along? They can. Welcome to the morning answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. Take a listen, Whitman. It's our first... Well, sort of Christmas, winter. I have a different reaction. You're gonna don't make it about date rape, please. I'm not. Just let us well, enjoy this simple moment. As the song plays, folks, I'd like to remind you here in November of 2020, there was a time, it was about a year ago, that this song played a little bit, Katie. But you know, this song was the biggest story in America. That it was a, uh, uh, it contained lyrics that were sexually aggressive or violent. I should say specifically. Uh, the man is not letting the woman leave because baby is cold. That's what we were talking about. And then ICE happened. ICE <laughs> refers to immigration, COVID, election. Oh, no. No. Those three things. <laughs> but before ICE, before the ICE kind of, uh, you know, uh, melt or, or thawed the earth, or this was the story, this dumb song. I wish for a moment. We would have such little to worry about that we could worry about this song again for five minutes. Would it be but we nice? don't have a president. We don't have a president. We got people, you know, uh, with uh, comorbidities. Uh, and Trump, well, we do have a president. You're right. Trump is still president. He is, no doubt. Forgive me. He is the president. That's right. For the remainder of the year and beyond. <laughs> I'm ready for four more years of this. I can't. I can't even handle it. I'm not even willing to entertain the idea of a Biden presidency, especially oh, because no, Trump no. was winning on election night. Okay. He won this thing. Now, Jennifer, this is important. Yes, and I have, a, I have a story that I pulled from a very important science journal yesterday as I was preparing the show. And when you, you get prepare, all the medical journals, which I really appreciate about you. I'm in them. You're in jam. There's stories about me in them, so I have to get them. Uh, uh, but no, seriously, folks, I want to tell you, I did. I pulled this story because it refers to, well, quite frankly, depression. When your candidate does not win an election, okay? Uh, partisan voters increasingly and interestingly on the losing side of one of these countdowns and the counting of votes and these face-offs, their happiness is depressed. Those on the winning side don't get a happiness bump, but the losing side, that is to say if your candidate didn't win an election as close and emotional as this, uh, they do note that they have less happiness in the aftermath of the election. It's called the happiness effect of competitive elections.
I, you know, I think, well, it's kind of like it's a team sport, right? Politics these days, it becomes a team sport. You want your team to win. And uh, I made a promise to myself before this election that I was only going to just – I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to Catatonia and cry for four years. Like, and I'm not talking about you, but like, no, a but lot I did go to Catatonia. You did, but you only were there for about three days and then you checked out and yeah, and, my passport expired. Right. And you know, for the, for the most part, I think there've been a few moments where you've gone, ah, but I think for the most part, you've done a really good job of just watching the presidency and watching what's happening. And that's important. That's how it's kind of my mindset, actually, the inspiration for my mindset. That is to say, if Joe Biden actually goes on to become president, because there are many people who still think that President Trump is very much in this game. He is looking very good in Arizona. There are some lawsuits that need to be uh, that need to be worked out, and uh, that needs to happen before we determine the result of of any election. So uh, I think there's still a lot to be settled. And after it does settle down, this is what I uh, this is what I think about President Trump. He is not going away anytime soon. He oh, single handedly right. saved the Republican Party. He inserted some backbone. We need to get all of these spineless Republicans back back up and stand with President Trump to fight this fight. And they need to be we need to insist upon it because this is really how we stopped losing and getting beaten up by the the very leftist machine that would use identity politics to take Republicans down. And President Trump gave us backbones. We need to remember that. We need to remember that no matter what, his political power is is here, whether he uses it in a form of a, of a media outlet or combating some of the fake news or he runs again, if God forbid he loses this time around well, and i don't know that he will by the way i still have okay. a lot of optimism and, a, and there's 2024 of, ahead too this is a guy who's very energetic and has passion for this job okay i i i understand what you're saying i think there's something more important to be said and that is whomever it is that comes out of this protracted counting of votes and is our president on january 20 of 2021 and takes the oath of office that person and i have to some one thing to add that person will be america's president that person will be our president i have something important to say there are some people in our country who have said out loud during the last four years oh trump's not my president and i'm very familiar with that term i've heard it i've read it you cannot i promise you find a tape of me over the last four years saying he's not my president i've never said it right Purposefully, I've never said that. In fact, I purposefully said he is our president. I've used the word our, and I've sometimes said my president. And the person who sits in the Oval Office needs to have the support of the nation. And your point earlier, Jen, we talked about it yesterday, is very well taken. The divide in this country, so, so uh, stark divide, and it manifests in these very close election numbers, and the the friction gets more intense in this protracted counting of votes it's a recipe for half the country literally feeling very very bad things about the other half of the country we've got to get over that yeah and you know what doesn't help and uh, this is where i'm going to start to actually use our platform that we have to hold these people accountable because here's the thing if they determine that joe biden is the president he'll be my president now i will critically judge him probably every single day as you should but what does not help is people like like Sonny Hoyston on The View, who yesterday said this. This election showed us what the true character of many Americans is. And again, I'm not saying that if you voted for Trump, that you are a racist, that you are a homophobe, that you are a sexist, <coughs> uh, that you are against transgender rights. But what I will say is if you voted for Trump, you then did look the other way. 
Now, this is the kind of stuff that is going to do nothing but divide us. It's Jimmy Kimmel saying that half the country is racist for voting for President Trump. Now, look, he can call me racist all he wants, but only one of us have worn blackface in our life, and it is not me. It is Jimmy Kimmel. So (laughs) I think that's the majority of Trump supporters. So you have to be careful with those words that you throw around when you're in a position of power, like Jimmy Kimmel or Sonny Hoyston, who go after and— and take apart the reason that people voted for President Trump. If Biden does go on to become the winner, I think that is not helpful because that's only going to make me want to push back even harder. That's not a unifying message Look, whatsoever. And, uh, I agree. It's 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 Those are aggressive, very aggressive words. And they set the stage for a very aggressive 2021 politically and beyond. Who knows? It's very, very important that uh, we understand. And I'll tell you, as I didn't never voted for Donald Trump, I voted for other people, of course, uh, voted for Joe Biden, voted for Bill Clinton. And guess what? I've looked the other way on things, too. Every person who casts a vote for another person, imperfect as every member of the human species is, they've all have flaws. So we're all looking the other way at some point because we're dealing with the options that we have. And beyond that, I grew up with two parents who usually voted for the candidate different than the one I voted for. At some point, the heart, the personal relationship that you have with the love, affection, the friendship, the ties, the bonds, don't they, aren't they still, for most people, a little more important than a disagreement over an election or a candidate or a policy? I know the policies are personal, and I know we talk about these issues of, uh, of transgender rights and all of this. If you're my friend, you're my friend, because I believe I know your heart. And a, a vote, I don't think, shows me your heart has changed. It shows me maybe you disagree on a particular policy issue. Folks, God, everybody's got to dial the temperature down on this. Everybody gets one vote. Except for Joe Biden voters in Pennsylvania. They got three. They got three. Of course. That's (laughs) right. Everybody gets a vote, and we should probably respect that. All right. As we continue, we are going to hear from the minority leader in the House. What is next for the House of Representatives and some local congressional races this close? We'll bring you up to speed as your Friday morning answer continues. Brian Whitman's voices, Jennifer Horn's brain. What else do you need to start your day? This is the morning answer. Thanks for joining us. It is your Friday morning answer. This song dedicated to all of you vote counters out there. You can't hurry, love. You just take those votes one at a time. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and overnight, just to bring you up to speed, two estates that were leaning towards Donald Trump. Oh, big surprise. Via the California model that has swept across the country with all of these early mail-in votes, Joe Biden has taken the lead in Pennsylvania and Georgia, but the margins are very, very slim, and there are lawsuits and counting still to be done. We should have some updates a little bit later on this morning from all of those uh, election boards uh, that we are watching across the country. And I think it's important to say, if you were hearing the morning answer yesterday, and of course uh, we thank you if you've been with us all along, and of course uh, the election is another one of those gigantic, meaningful issues and events that we talk about, the states that were in dispute 24 hours ago and had not been called, none of them have now been called. They're all in the area still of dispute. Technically, they haven't been called. However, a judge in Michigan, for example, rejected President Trump's campaign's request to halt the count of those mail-in ballots, ruling the claims were Pointless because the tally was almost over in a state where the former Vice President Biden has already been declared the winner 
in that state. The legal challenge from the Trump campaign rejected uh, in Michigan by the judge there. So this makes the the battle look more uphill if you're President Trump, if you're a member of his legal team, if you're an American person who voted for him and would like to see him uh, continue to be president. Yeah, the easiest path originally on election night when uh, the media outlets called Arizona for for Biden so soon after the polls closed was that he'd have to win two out of the three Rust Belt states. So he would have had to win two out of three in Michigan, Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. He looked ready to do that on election night. In fact, when we all went to bed on election night, it looked like President Trump could have almost just declared victory based on that map. But the votes kept coming and there's dispute about what votes are being counted and where they're finding these votes. There are a lot of different um, whistleblowers who are coming out now, people who are giving stories to the Trump campaign about some weird activities. And those are all being investigated right now. So that's the important thing to know. Trust the system. Be patient. Trust that these things will be investigated and filtered out. If there's nothing to them, then we have a new president. If there is something to them, then we need to make sure that we are confidently dealing with the or competently dealing with these issues in each and every state. Um, So that's all happening right now in the state of Georgia. It is very possible we may see a runoff election. Both candidates are at 49.4%. They are tied. There are some military votes left to be counted that could help President Trump get that back. If we do take Arizona back and put it into Trump's column, if he ends up winning Arizona and there's still 10% of the vote still outstanding in that state where counting continues and Trump's doing pretty well, well, then all he would need is to pick up a Pennsylvania if he can win Georgia and North Carolina. So uh, that's where we stand today. A lot of A lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff up in the air. No doubt about that. Let's talk about some of the votes that were cast. 143 million popular votes for presidential candidates uh, have been counted. And here's the popular vote total so far. And of course, uh, that's not an official number because the states that have not yet certified their popular vote totals will be added to the following. Uh, The former Vice President Joe Biden has... Percentage-wise, exactly 50.50% of the vote, exactly one-half of the vote, popular votes that have thus far been counted. That's 73,496,029 votes. President Donald Trump is at 47.0, exactly 47%. That's three percentage points in terms of the popular vote in between former Vice President Biden, who is leading at the count now, and President Trump. President Trump's vote total is also astounding. Given the sheer magnitude of these numbers, so many people voted in this election. The president, 69,631,959 Americans have voted and said, we want four more years of President Trump. Uh, This wasn't a mandate election at all. And that was what the the pollsters had said is is this would be a blue wave. And a lot of people on the far left were saying, this is going to be that moral victory. We're just going to show them that they were on the wrong path. But that's not it. In fact, President Trump could win still. The House of Representatives, Republicans actually have picked up eight seats so far. They expect maybe they'll pick up 11 seats, which would bring this very close to evening out the balance of power in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. 
again, there's two races that are going to go to a runoff in Georgia, but it is very possible that Republicans hold on to the Senate as well. And uh, P.S. to that, we mentioned it in earlier days. Georgia, unique in that both of their U.S. senators are on the same cycle, election cycle. They both come up for came up for election on Tuesday in the same year. So that's typically not uh, what ha- certainly doesn't happen in California. The senators are on usually different calendars, but in Georgia, uh, it was a, but one of them was a special election, so right. it kind of threw off the cycle. And by the way, Jen, we mentioned the other morning on Monday, Mitch McConnell, speaking of the U.S. Senate, the Republican leader of the U.S. Senate, he on Monday of this week, the day before Election Day, said, well, we think uh, there's a 50-50 chance of us holding on to power. And you and I were talking about what Mitch McConnell said after reporting the information. And I think we both felt that um, he was uh, concerned about something maybe he ought not be concerned about. But these votes for Senate candidates have made the balance of power in the U.S. Senate a one to watch and I think a closer call than we thought it would be. Yeah, I think they were expecting Senator Perdue in Georgia to get the majority. He won his race against uh, Ossoff, but he didn't win by a large enough margin. You have to have 50 percent plus one. So uh, a lot of money will be poured into the state of Georgia, no doubt about it. Now, here at home, there are some close congressional races, three in Southern California that we've been watching. I'll add in a fourth. The bonus is Daryl Issa, District 50. That's inland San Diego. It looks like he's going to win there. That's Duncan Hunter's vacated seat. Daryl Issa back in the congressional game. In District 48, that's coastal Orange County. That's where Michelle Steele was facing off against Harley Rauta for Dana Rohrbacher's old seat. Michelle Steele holding on to a tight lead, 50.7% to 49.3%. 5,000 votes separating these candidates right now with 90% of the vote in. Young Kim also holding on to a lead, 93% of those precincts are reporting she's ahead by about 3,000 votes. This is 50.4% to 49.6% over the incumbent Gil Cisneros. And And this, if I may, Orange County, the, 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 the swinging... Excuse me. The electoral swinging that's Enough been going on in our place uh, in Orange County. It was two years ago, of course, uh, when the midterm, the votes came in and a lot of Democrats winning congressional seats in Orange County. And uh, at the time, the assessment was the Republican Party locally really just didn't have it together. It seems that this year, Orange County Republican candidates are doing better. It feels that way. I would have to break out a calculator and you don't want me to get near that. Well, but but it feels like they have done better this time around locally because they're playing by the same rules remember it was a republican party that didn't tell their candidates that they could ballot harvest in 2018 so they got shellacked i mean it was terrible in 2018 we went to bed everybody was winning republicans were winning and then whammo all of those mail-in ballots started counting and this is the lesson that the rest of the country is learning right now because most of the country has picked up the california model of electioneering and so there are going to be lessons for republicans to learn from this because uh, no doubt gavin newsom in this state has said he wants to make universal mail-in permanent, regardless of what happens with the coronavirus. The same thing is going to happen in blue states across the country. So Republicans need to be catching up with the rules here. And of course, for many of us, Orange County is where we live. It's home. But nationally, political observers and polls, they have been watching Orange County and this demographic movement of, uh, of voting in Orange County is flipping and flopping here. Yeah. I don't know when they're going to call that Young Kim election and the Cisneros election. It's going to be know. a few days, I think, still. I want to give you an update on District 25 also, because that one's a really tough race. Mike Garcia, the incumbent against Christy Smith, the former Assemblywoman. She's a Democrat. He's a Republican. He is now in the lead, but they're tied statistically at 50%. He is ahead by 1,000 votes. 
So that counted. How many cast? Uh, uh, what is the combined so far, number roughly? Total votes two hundred eighty-five thousand. Two hundred eighty-five thousand and one thousand is the difference. And I mean, this is a nation that doesn't agree yeah. with each other, and we're pretty well stacked up on either side. It's balanced out that we don't agree with each other. Seventy-nine percent well. of the precincts reporting. All right, as we continue, we will go to some of those battleground states to give you updates from Nevada, from Arizona, from Pennsylvania. As your Friday morning answer continues.